Welcome to the Resurrection People podcast with Preston Sharp, pastor of Sacrament Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and curator of The Art of Preaching. Each week, we look at three readings from the Bible, drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. Find more at theartofpreaching.substack.com. Welcome back to the Resurrection People podcast. This week, our readings are a little different. Yesterday, or depending on when you're listening to this, just November 1st, was All Saints Day. And this coming Sunday, we celebrate, many churches celebrate All Saints Day kind of as a feast the following Sunday. So All Saints Sunday or whatever you want to call it. So our readings this week are going to look at particularly those that focus on All Saints that go along with that particular feast. And so instead of an Old Testament reading and then an epistle reading and then a gospel reading, we have a reading from the book of Revelation, and then we have an epistle reading and a gospel reading. So I'm going to walk through these each week, and I might even throw in a reading on the psalm for this week, which I don't typically do, but you might look out for that. So today we're looking at Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. And in this reading, we see a vision given to John, the revelator, of the diversity within the family of God. We have here people from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So we see this image of a cross-cultural, multi-ethnic community. And to be honest, crossing cultural boundaries for us often feels really difficult. It feels like a challenge for many of our congregations. We all know the old saying, I believe it's from Dr. King, that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated time of all. Um, And perhaps part of the reason is because the pursuit of diversity is so difficult because it doesn't fit well with a lot of the consumeristic narratives we believe about the world. In a world built on consumerism, we want a church that's kind of easy. It feels right. It fits. And the work of crossing cultural boundaries just doesn't feel easy. Yet there's a humility in recognizing that just because something isn't easy or it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not right. In fact, those things that are right are often the most uncomfortable. The things that are true and good and beautiful in the world often do make us uncomfortable. John says of the vision that he had, there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb robed in white with palm branches in their hand. Esau Macaulay says that the reference to the multitude calls to mind the promises made to Abraham that he would become a father of many nations. That's always been the calling of God to his people, that diverse nations would come from the family of Abraham. Macaulay says these distinct people groups and languages are, quote, eschatological and everlasting. Eschatological means like the end of things, like this is God's design that will one day be fulfilled for the world. Our goal as the church is not to homogenize people into groups, but to see diversity as a manifestation of God's glory. As this is true for race and for language, it's also true for various cultural backgrounds, genders, and age. In his vision, John is preparing the church for coming persecution, and he's doing so by reminding them of the reality of heaven, which stands against what they are about to face. 
So the encouragement here is that no matter what they face, those under persecution, the creator God and the lamb have already won the victory. There's a few things I think we can see from this vision. First, we're part of a bigger story than just what we see. Revelation is fascinating because it plays around with time, seeming to jump to and fro, past, present, future, because this isn't a historical narrative. It's a vision, so it plays around with time. Now, this can be really frustrating as a reader because we're left asking, is this something that is happening? Is this something that will happen? Well, the answer is kind of (laughs) yes. So in some sense, we can trust that even now we, the church, are the people dressed in white. This is our identity, our reality. And yet we will also someday see that in fullness. Second, we're defined by Christ's victory over sin and death. The multitudes are carrying palm branches, which is a sign of victory. They're shouting out their delight and praise and thanks to God and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. The multitudes sing blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and forever. Now, in my tradition, each week we sing the old doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We're singing here that we believe in one God, that everything good comes from God. There are no other gods. In other words, the things that we set up, our security, our ability to produce wealth, our achievement, our attractiveness, none of those produce blessings. All blessings come from God. The people who are hearing this letter from John are in the midst of suffering. And there's an elder here who tells John that the multitude are the people who have come out of the great suffering. In other words, they made it through. There's a new morning. The reason why their clothes are white is not because they've lived perfectly pure lives, but because of the blood of the lamb, the sacrifice for sin, that's identified them. They've been rescued from their slavery to sin. Of course, the nature of this, the great tribulation, is much debated, and you may have things that pop in your head that think about kind of a a future time that we might be able to read about in the news today or something like that. That's kind of the popular imagination of the great tribulation. But um, Mulholland, Robert Mulholland, says that for John, the great tribulation is what God's people always experience in a fallen world. It's what John's readers are experiencing at this present moment. In chapter 1, John has said that he was a participant in the tribulation. So by great tribulation, Mulholland says, that in every generation of Christians, there are some who experience tribulation at the hands of a fallen world. When you put them all together, this whole sweep is considered the great tribulation. The third thing we can see from this vision is we are defined by God's presence with us in the midst of pain. Verse 15 says, God will shelter them with his presence. This literally means he will pitch a tent over them as he pitched his tent in the midst of the Israelites in the wilderness. So somehow John wants us to see that those who are suffering experience God's new Jerusalem God's restored new world in some ways now, even though we do not experience it in fullness. And the reading ends with the promise 
that God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Verse 17. At the end of this month, we come to the end of a church year with the season of Advent marking a new year in the church calendar. The season of Advent begins in December. Our world sits in the midst of incredible brokenness right now, especially in the wake of multiple wars. In such a world, the church must be those who grieve with those who grieve. We must be those who stand in solidarity with Christians who are facing persecution today and stand in solidarity with all fellow humans who are crying tears of loss, fear, and desperation. Because this is what God does. And in the midst of such need, we hear this word of hope. There will be a day when all will be right. And we see glimpses of that great hope even now. Thanks for listening to the Resurrection People podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review to help us get the word out. You can hear full sermons at sacramentchurch.com and find out more at theartofpreaching.substack.com.